Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the South Bay Show, Manhattan Beach Chamber 360, on January 17th, 2020. Live, love, laugh, and leave a legacy. That's what we do here in the South Bay of Los Angeles, and it's a beautiful place to do just that. The South Bay Show is brought to you by the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce. The Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce has been serving the city of Manhattan Beach for over 60 years, and they are dedicated to promoting a strong local economy by supporting the community, providing valuable business connections, and representing business with government. The Chamber staff is focused on providing its membership with the tools and resources to help businesses grow and thrive within the community. Their goal is to continually support the individual efforts of business as they work to support the growth of the local economy. For more information on how the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce is working with member businesses and the city of Manhattan Beach to support that growth, visit the website at manhattanbeachchamber.com or call 310-545-5313. I'm your host. Joe Terry, and you can read all about our many adventures on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The South Bay Show. Persistence, passion, principle, and purpose. That's what we talk about here on The South Bay Show. Joining us as co-host, the CEO and president of the Manhattan Beach Chamber, Kelly Stroman, and of course, with us because of our great partnership with SouthBayByJackie.com and executive producer of the South Bay Show, Jackie Balestra. Hey, Jackie, Kelly, how are you today? Uh, You know, I'm doing very well today, Joe. What's not to love? It's Friday, and it's a three-day weekend. (laughs) Yeah. Good morning, and happy Friday. Happy Friday, Kelly. Happy Friday, Kelly. (laughs) I did it. Um, Yes. For those of those listening, I forgot to say happy Friday last week, which was not a good way to start the new year, our first show, because everybody it knows really why we say happy Friday. It, it really threw us hmm. off. It threw us off for a moment, but we're back on track. The new year is safe. We're back on track. That's right. Mm-hmm. right. That's mm-hmm. right. It was a wonderful um, so rain happy- last night. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. Good soaking. Um, just mm-hmm. enough to make my car look dirty again. Uh, I appreciate that. Thank you, Mother Nature. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you know, Kelly. It's <laughs> funny. I uh, I've had my my I've been riding my my old Jeep around the last couple of weeks, and and uh, we don't have enough room in the garage for it, so it's parked in the driveway, and it's been filthy, filthy, mm-hmm. filthy, and the rain the rain pretty much cleaned it. So I had the rain had the opposite effect on my car. There you go. Well, maybe, I don't know. Well, maybe mine was extra dirty. I, I, or not quite dirty enough. I don't know. But, yes, I've been juggling cars in our driveway because I've had my boys home for the holidays, and, and uh, the, you do the car shuffle, like, every day, you know. Um, yes, yes, yes. Anyways, that's okay. It's the weekend. I have time to watch it this weekend. So it's all good. I'll take the rain any day, especially when it rains at night. Yes. I like that. And you wake up, and it's all crisp and clear mm-hmm. and, and clean. It's, it's quite gorgeous. We're, as we always say, we're blessed here in the South Bay. We are blessed. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. We are blessed. So, 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 so I have a question. Yes. Yes. All right. How are those New Year's resolutions working for you guys? Because I'll give you a minute oh. to think about that. Because, 
because I'll let Joe take average, that. I'll let Joe take that first. <laughs> yeah, the average person, you know, the average person, their resolution only lasts two weeks, and we are I believe, pretty much two weeks I believe to the new year. So I um, I'm doing a little test poll to see, you know, how everybody's doing. Joe, you want to go first? Sure. <clears throat> My <laughs> resolution for this year is to find a a path through this political forest, and I think I found it. We'll talk about it uh, later in the show. Uh, the two things that I am for, not against, are ranked voting and term limits. That's my resolution. Wow. You think so, big? Yes, yeah. ranked voting and term so limits. Okay, so you're, you're resolving – to vote on term limits. Is that what you're saying? That's your resolution? I'm resolving to get involved in politics, but not in a negative fashion, in a positive fashion. And I'm going to be for something. Mm -hmm. Okay. I like it. Yes. Yes. All right. All right. Jackie? This is going to be one heck of a ride. Yeah. (laughs) I am. You know something? I'm not into that whole, uh, do a resolution that's going to make you suffer. I, I, I've never believed in that, you know, and, and no, seriously, you know, I have, I have family members that literally like, are like, okay, I'm giving up ice cream. I'm like, why would you do that? You know, that, so I'm not into the whole stuff. Suffer- I'm not into the whole suffering aspect of, of resolutions. You know, my resolution is this year is to get together with my friends more often. You know, JB and I are so damn busy that, you know, everything else gets pushed to the side. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, life is short. Life is short. You know, I want to see my friends more. I want to spend more quality time with my friends. Um, I, I have friends. You know, some my best friends are scattered all over the country. You know, Florida and Michigan and Portland and New York. They're all over the place. And I miss them so much, you know. I, I mean, we talk regularly, you know, we, we're, we're on social media together, so you can keep up with them. But I want to go, I want to spend time with my friends. I want to spend time with my friends before we're all dead, basically, is what I'm saying. So that's my resolution. I think I think it's a, it's a great goal, too. Uh, resolutions and, and goals, you know, cross over quite a bit. And um, isn't that the truth? We all need to... You know, readjust a little bit, right? Readjust yeah. our priorities. So, yeah. I mean, what's what's most important? You know, shuffling a piece yeah. of paper or you know, connecting with your friends, even if it's just you know on the phone or something. Um, I agree. We all have life to stop balance. And, and take a breath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Balance. Life balance. 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 Yes. Balance. balance. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, how I kind of. How about you? Yeah. What are you doing? I know. I'll be honest. So I had, it was kind of more of a goal to not um, break or cancel any appointments I have, which Jackie ah. probably, as you know, that's tough, you know, because we yeah. get pulled in a thousand different directions. Um, there are sometimes there's emergencies with business that come up that, you know, divert you. There's certain people that you can't say no to that are higher ranking or whatever, you know, for things that you, uh, divert you. But I'm really, really, really trying to, you know, if I make an appointment or a meeting, really trying to keep it. And I don't cancel that often or change. Sometimes they have to, but I'm really trying. Um, and I unfortunately had, I 
you know, fell off the track a little bit yesterday with something, Aww. but I did let the person know in advance. I didn't just no show, you know. I oh. said, I'm so sorry, you know, I'm not going to be able to make this, um, blah, blah, blah. But I, I'm really trying. You know, and, and with that, it takes proper planning too, right? So not just um, saying yes or going, sure, I can meet you, you know, Thursday at 5 o'clock or whatever. It's looking at your calendar and going, can I really make make that based on everything else that's going on, you know, in the day or the week or whatever. So um, I fell off a little bit, but but I'm not done with it. I'm not I'm not walking away from that goal yet. She so, already um, she already fell off the wagon. All right, okay, all right. It's right. Get back on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm on. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm back on. <laughs> uh, but you know, sometimes too, like you know, nights or weekends, you know, like you're exhausted, right? And you're like, oh, do I really have to go to that party, or do I really have to go to that, right? And it's easy to go, ah, oh, no, I'm gonna, you know, take, you know. But I'm, I'm really trying. If I commit, I'm, I'm going. So, um, so there you have it. That's, I, I that's like where it. I'm headed. Yeah, I like know, it. I like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like. It. Um, so what's go what, what's going on? What's going on with the chamber? What's happening at the chamber? It's a whole new year and decade. A whole new year and decade. We've had a flurry of um, gosh, new members, which I love. Um, we'll be getting them, you know, on the show as we can. Uh, really, like a serious flurry of people joining the chamber, which you know, it's just it's that's great news. Um, one of them I'm super just excited about uh, is probably one of the oldest businesses that is still standing in Manhattan Beach. And um, I'm trying to verify that to see who actually is the oldest standing business in Manhattan Beach. I don't have the answer yet. But um, they were members for decades and decades and decades. And when the owner passed away, um, the business was transferred and uh, you know went through a trust into the hands of his niece, adult niece, who um, he felt was the most capable person in the family to carry on the business in the same fashion that it had been since 1927. Oh, wow. Do you wow. want to get a guess? Hmm. Well, any wild guess what that business I'll, is? I'll, I'll guess. I'll guess. Okay. I'll guess. It, uh, it's either Becker's Bakery or Manhattan Meats. You are no. on the right block. Want to try again? Uh, Joe, <laughs> you got any ideas? Oh, my God. No, I don't have any idea. That, on that's the right block. Oh, on wait, the right block. wait, uh, wait, Urkeles. Yes. 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 I've yes. known Stacey Clark. Stacey Clark and her husband, um, you know, received uh, Urkeles upon Gary's passing. They're lovely people. It's been about six years now, five, six years. And um, Other than just doing a little internal plumbing remodeling, which they kind of had to do, permitting type of stuff, um, they, you know, they've left it the same and everything. And um, I've known Stacy because of my downtown position for years. And um, they, you know, finally got back on board. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. It's been sitting on my desk for like a year. Well, whatever, you know. So um, mm-hmm. they're back on board. And, um, you know, if you do the math, they're – um, what, 93? It's 93 years old. Uh, so we're, we're really excited about that. And we'll probably have some type of fun, you know, ribbon-cutting mixer party. And uh, I, I suspect all the old characters in town and will come out for it. So uh, just fun. You know, we have we were talking last – okay, last week you were like, you guys, you know, I've noticed that there's a lot of new young members joining the chamber. Well, you know, now we have one of the oldest businesses. So balance, <laughs> right, Joe? It's all about balance. 
I like yeah. it. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this weekend, there's not a lot happening uh, that I know of that are you know that um, that has come across our plate. Um, it's Martin Luther King weekend, and uh, all I right. really have in my and in my calendar is uh, uh, for parents Fiesta. really to drop Fiesta. off their kids. If you want, uh, what is it? Fiesta, the Mercado, Fiesta. isn't that next? Isn't that next week? That's next week, not this weekend, though. I'm talking about ML- oh, okay. MLK weekend. Um, okay, so okay. The, only, uh, the only activity I have this weekend is uh, the Adventure Camp, uh, Beach State Health District Adventure Camp over off of Marine is doing, you know, $50 for the day, drop off your kid basically all day, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Um, you know, they'll have lunch, they'll play, they'll do activities and stuff. So all you parents out there, if you, you're looking for a place to um, – you know, put your kids on Monday, uh, AdventurePlex, you know, Adventure Camp is the, is the place to go. But, yes, Jackie, to your point, uh, we are having our first mixer fiesta um, and ribbon cutting of the year next uh, Thursday at Mercado, which is a new fabulous, it's been open for about five months, um, Mexican kind of coastal, fresh, gourmet Mexican restaurant in the Manhattan Village Mall. And we're doing a ribbon cutting mm-hmm. at five, and then leading right into Margarita Madness and Mixer um, for a couple of hours. We ever, it's open to the public. Um, a happy hour pricing will go until about six thirty, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. Stop by, mix, mingle, network, come meet new people, come have a margarita and celebrate um, that resolution that you're keeping, <laughs> and uh, meet you know meet Mercado. Um, that mall is, as we all know, it's undergoing a lot of construction, and right now the parking deck that is being built in front of Mercado and that whole plaza area um, is just in, in go mode, you know, with construction. But Mercado and the mall is open. All you got to do is park on kind of one side or the other and walk around, and we're going to um, help launch them into the community. So we really encourage people to come out and have fun with us next Thursday. So it's time. It's time to have a margi and uh, yeah. some appetizers. Yeah, Christmas food yes. is way gone, right? So it's, yeah. it's time to jump back in. And <laughs> anyway, so that's what I've got. Um, that's that's what I've got. Um, what, what you know? What about, what else, Excellent. Jackie? Anything else happening? Uh, you know, um, I, there's you know there's always a lot of stuff. I, you know, I'm, I cover the entire South Bay, not just Manhattan Beach, but there is a ton of stuff. My weekend guide came out uh, Thursday, uh, yesterday, so you know it's on the website. It's it's everywhere. Uh, the only thing I did want to mention, I mentioned it yesterday morning, uh, was uh, so sad to hear that uh, Shea Melange is closing after 37 yep. years. Yep. Uh, very, yeah, very, very sad. I'm so sad. Everybody, everybody's very sad about that. But uh, they're mm-hmm. going to be open. Uh, they're they're planning to stay open until about February 29th, and they're doing mm-hmm. like a farewell tour. They're bringing out all their greatest hits from the last four decades. They're going to be cooking up. Like if you had a meal there 30 years ago that you loved, you can call them and they'll they'll make it for you. So That's great. so mm-hmm. I love that. yeah. So everybody mm-hmm. needs to get by there. But anyway, we got a big show today. Uh, Joe, shall mm-hmm. we? Uh, wow. Shall we jump right on in? Jackie, who are our guests today? Okay, our guests this morning are Dave Salzman and Carol Glover from the Salzman Real Estate Team. Now, a real estate broker for the last 34 years, Dave Salzman has comprehensive experience in brokerage, investment, and redevelopment, 
a business as a principal and agent with focus on re- the retail and investment property resale market. His career has spanned a broad spectrum of uh, property and portfolio management. Putting together large and complex deals comes naturally to Dave after working for nine years at IBM as the top sales management executive and regional sales manager for the Western United States Telecommunications Division. Dave earned his BS at Arizona State University, graduating magna cum laude in business administration, <laughs> real estate, finance. Now, Carol Glover has been handling real estate sales transactions since 1983. As a broker, real estate attorney, co-owner of a residential rehabilitation development company and a property management company, Carol has handled just about every type and size of real estate transaction. Her background in real estate, corporate, and trust probate law taught her the how-tos of real estate, leaving her the time to focus on client service and deal creation. A lifelong resident of Manhattan Beach, she also volunteers at the Manhattan Beach Chamber, Leadership Manhattan Beach, the city of Manhattan Beach, and is a frequent public speaker. After graduating from Miracosta, she earned her BA at the University of California, Irvine, and her JD at Loyola Law School. Now, this morning, Dave and Carol will bring us up to date on current real estate trends and what attendees can expect at their Lunch and Learn event happening on February 12th. Carol, David, welcome to the program. We're so glad you could join us this morning. It's good to be here. Good morning. Thank you for having us. Uh, <clears throat> let me just say, Dave and Carol, we are we are thrilled to have you. We have lots and lots of questions. But for an interviewer, people with 34 years of experience who graduated magna cum laude in business administration and real estate finance, you, you're, you're kind of scaring me. Uh, it's You guys have so much to offer in terms of perspective on real estate in the South Bay. And one of the conversations, recent conversations I was having was with a gentleman who currently owns a home, has owned a home in uh, La Cunada Flint Ridge for 20 years. When he was a kid, he used to live in Manhattan Beach. He was born in Manhattan Beach, but his parents moved from Manhattan Beach to, uh, you know, the foothills because they they felt that the schools weren't good enough uh, 25, 30, 40 years ago. I don't know. Maybe it was 40 years ago. Uh, first of all, Dave, I want to talk to you about how when Hell's Angels used to own the Pier Avenue in Hermosa, South Bay wasn't a very desirable place to live. Do you remember that? I do. I remember when – Interior Avenue Plaza was actually a, a, a street with a row of palm trees right. down the center. And uh, the, right. the places there varied from okay to sketchy. Um, and, uh, yeah, actually, when I was a young man with my friends, we used to go down there and uh, kind of entertain ourselves with um, how uh, exciting it was there. Um, yeah. Yeah, certainly yeah. there's been a heck of a change over time over these past, what, 30, 35, 40 years. Um, and perhaps Hermosa's Pier Plaza might be the poster child for the kind of changes that, you know, the beach cities have gone through in that four decades. Is it, I mean, I, I, I want to cover some things about the macroeconomic trends. Uh, you know, uh, Jackie said, you know, I had some things. Uh, planned, and what I had planned was, you know, my friends, I, I tend to 
congregate with people that are in the, I would say, the gold bug category. Um, lots of my friends are either, you know, uh, hoarding various <laughs> amounts of gold. They obviously, you know, real estate is a is a huge part of their investment portfolio. Uh, they they have been talking uh, for the last I don't know decade about how uh, America is going to hell in a handbasket. Our debt is unsustainable, and someday we're going to have a crash that's going to make 1929 look like a, a picnic. Along with well, that. The stock market is at all-time highs. What's going on, Dave? <laughs> I wish I was uh, positioned to be able to, com- uh, to to provide wisdom about the larger world and national situation. I can uh, render an opinion, but um, truthfully, um, you know these uh, these national and international trends are well above my pay grade. Um, I do have a couple mm-hmm. of thoughts, though. Uh, you know, one is that. Um, um, you know, democracies and so on that uh, over the course of time have run into trouble when their um, indebtedness becomes too large of a number as against their uh, gross, you know, domestic production. And you, yeah. we're reaching that point. We're not there, but we're reaching that point. So I think the indebtedness issue is a concern that will come back to haunt us at some future date. I think that date is. Yeah, one man's opinion. I think that date is reasonably far in the future, but it's um, it's a reckoning that will that we'll have to deal with at some point, um, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. How far out that is, I don't know. So, uh, Carol, <clears throat> your experience in real estate has been one since 1983. I, I first moved to the South Bay in '91. And even at that time, the real estate market was considered in decline or it was flat uh, in 91. Uh, I bought a home in Hermosa Beach in 99, 2000. And I was still in a, in a place where home prices were acceptable, reasonable. There were some bargains out there, lots of bargains out there. What what is the state of things today, and where are we going? When I I had uh, and I'm I'm saying this in the context of so many people around the country look at California and they say I can't believe it's that expensive. Uh, I'm from Chicago originally, but people in the Midwest look at California and they think you guys are insane. How can a home for a family costs a million dollars. Right. It's, Carol? It is expensive, especially... Yes, can you hear me? Um, it, it is expensive, yeah. and, and price, prices have um, accelerated tremendously, um, especially in uh, the Manhattan Beach area. Um, it used to be a little dot on the map that uh, nobody knew about, uh, and what, what just two days ago... Um, Manhattan Beach was identified as the number one place to live by 24/7 Wall Street. Um, that's been, uh, you know, going around the the internet. Um, and so, what's driving it is one a, a great, obviously great place to live. Um, we have this perfect combination. Um, unlike many years ago, the school systems have um, improved. 
Um, we're close to the airport. We're at a beach city that's beautiful, one of the most beautiful beaches in the world, in my humble opinion. And um, it, it has some definite affordability issues. So we, the, the, the homes uh, in this area have been developed, redeveloped, and the prices um, keep escalating. I, I think uh, along with, um, you know, some people's concerns and, the, and other things in the economy, we're, we're seeing a, a little bit of a softening at the top, but we're also seeing um, a lot of uh, first-time home buyers coming in the market, and, and that is the interest rates are still low. Um, younger uh, folks are, are starting families or have settled into careers, and they, they want to get on that, you know, real estate escalator, and it's, and it's driving prices up. Um, at the at the entry level, which in California is a ridiculous number for most people in the nation, but uh, you know, entry level we're on here is like 1.5 million and, and below, which sounds ridiculous, but right. that's where we are. Right, right, 1.5 and below. So, let's talk about you know the next uh, the people that own homes are not concerned about the next few months. They're concerned about the next few years. People that want to buy homes are concerned about the next few months. They couldn't care less about the next few years. Dave, you see my quandary here? What time frame matters? Well, obviously the time frame depends on who you are and what your objective is, right? Um, one of the things we're going to talk about in our Lunch and Learn is um, how we see 2020 shaping up as a watershed year. Um, and so I would recommend that folks may want to attend that because, you know, 2020 um, is uh, we've had a, a mat. We have a bunch of issues going on at the international and national level, which are going to unfold. And some of them could turn into major surprises, but we certainly have known issues happening at the state level with these various mandated property regulations um, where the state is uh, is mandating changes that are normally handled at the local level. As to buyers and sellers, um, you know, it's a lo- the extremely low interest rates are giving buyers the opportunity to uh, leverage their earnings through a low interest rate into a, a reasonable payment, even at a higher purchase price. And so that, I think, is is you know, clearly driving the buyer market at the so-called entry level, as Carol put it, under a million five in our market. Um, that's hmm. counterpointed with the with the changes in the tax laws that make it substantially more expensive after tax for higher end um, homeowners and taxpayers hmm. because of the lack of the the redu- significant reduction in in tax deductibility. Of, uh, of larger mm-hmm. payments and larger property taxes and larger state taxes. So that whole uh, environment has shifted, you know, quite a bit to where the, the entry level quote unquote buyer is, um, is very active and the uh, um, higher end buyer is less so. Um, and we're, I think we're going to see that for the balance of 20. Is, <clears throat> is there any limit? It, or let me put it a different way. <clears throat> Does the Fed have no shame? Can can a, an entry level buyer purchase at two point eight, you know, two point seven percent, three point one, three point two? Of course, that's that's a wonderful rate. But the Fed, it seems like they're 
they're they're just have no shame. They 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 might go lower, or they might go negative. Negative interest rates, ladies and gentlemen, means they pay you to borrow money. It's insane. <coughs> Where well, it's been true going? in Japan for quite some time. <clears throat> the problem, of right. course, is the Fed is trying to. Oh, Dave, um, Dave, 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 yeah. uh, I'm sorry. I just want to. I want any listener to understand that I'm not insane when I say that there are countries around the world who I think it's is it Nor Norway or I don't know if it's one of those uh, Scandinavian countries where banks are paying you to borrow money. It's absolutely insane. It's true in Japan and has been for some time. They have negative interest rates in Japan. Um, but, you know, as to the Fed, uh, they, they, you know, their mission is to stabilize the economy in the way that they uh, utilize monetary policy. Now, whether it turns out ultimately to be a good idea or a bad idea kind of remains to be seen. But um, they, you know, they do have a mission and they execute their mission. And whether that's good or bad, we don't know. But Right. So far, I think right. they did a they, they pumped so much liquidity into the economy back in eight and nine that they did manage to turn what could have been a depression into just a great recession. The, the problem, of course, is it's like being on drugs. Um, once you're on, it's awful hard to get off of the liquidity machine. Um, <laughs> so really, I mean, it's uh, now they pump so much liquidity into the market, into our, into our economy that they in the early uh, 19, they tried uh, to re- reverse quantitative easing by, um, you know, uh, selling their uh, assets in the form of bonds and taking cash out of the economy. And it caused yeah. almost a, a, a significant slowdown in the second quarter of 19. So they stopped that. And then but in, in September, they almost caused a liquidity crisis in the banking system because of their capital requirements and Ultimately, they started easing again and putting the liquidity back in. And the problem is not the liquidity per se, but rather the fact that the economy is now supercharged on cash. And that is keeping the economy going, right? But it also means that the Fed has kind of almost lost control of their ability to manage uh, the economy by their um, uh, quantitative easing or quantitative tightening. <laughs> and you're right. right. As soon as you get the interest rates that are so low that they can't go lower, um, the Fed runs out of room to be able to um, stimulate the economy by lowering interest rates, um, and their options start to right. really thin out. So, but I think that we have such a good, you know, for whatever, wherever you are in the political spectrum, the truth is that the economy for the past few years has been really booming. Several good reasons, cash injection, um, uh, favorable business, political climate, whatever you think of that, it's still the case. Um, So that's been good for the economy. It's been good for Mm -hmm. our local economy. It's been good for the California economy. And it's been good for us in terms of um, demand for real property. The biggest issue in California, especially in the uh, metro areas is the overwhelming demand as compared to limited supply of places to live. 
And this is one of the things we're going to talk about on our uh, Lunch and Learn is what's the relationship between this amount of demand, this limited supply, right. and what's to be done about it, right? right? Uh, right. So we've I've, seen – we've I've, seen. I've, I am – Go ahead. No, please. Uh, continue, please. Well, we've seen significant action being taken by the state to try to address this issue, and it wraps up into the – the fact that a uh, high percentage of renters in California are paying a really significant hunk of their gross income to keep a roof over their heads, uh, that uh, that the price of buying a home, as we mentioned, you know, an entry-level home is a million five and under. I mean, it sounds insane in most parts of the country, right? Um, so <laughs> what's to be done about that? The state is taking action. I often wonder if they – take into account, in fact, it's clear that they don't take into account the secondary, tertiary, unanticipated consequences of the actions that they take. Um, it's kind of like... Uh, they don't. You know, they don't. They, they don't, don't. They don't think <laughs> that far ahead. They don't think no, they that don't. far I mean, ahead. You know that. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I mean you, you got apples with no spots by using DDT to kill all the insects, right? I mean, hey, a great idea on the face of it until you figure out what the secondary and tertiary consequences are, Right. So secondary and tertiary consequences. Yeah, second and third consequences. Um, DDT, great idea for perfect apples. Bad idea for everything uh, else, right? Now, we we, unfortunately we only have an hour, and I have to say to Jackie and Kelly, uh, Jackie, we we have a little conversation before most shows, and Jackie said to me today. She said, I hope you're in tune because I didn't get uh, a good night's sleep or whatever. I, I hope you're <laughs> ready to go, Jerry, Jack, oh, and you've got a lot of questions. And, and at this point, Jackie, I'm kind of – my mind is exploding because <laughs> Dave is such – Dave and Carol are such a resource for discussing these issues. First of all, we have negative interest rates in Scandinavia and Japan. It's It's – you know, I'm a, I'm a confirmed Democrat. I, I like to say to people, I'm I'm genetically Democratic. I was born into into dem, the Democratic Party, but the bottom line is, lots of my friends, black and white. I'm African American, but black and white, find that the guy at the head of the ticket. I mean, our president right now, you know, to mix a lot of political metaphors, would lynch anyone in his administration that slowed down this economy. And there's no question about it. Everyone knows, regardless of where you are in the political spectrum, that the president of the United States will do anything to keep this economy growing. I mean, he will do or say anything to keep this economy growing. What what kind of world are we in? Dave, he's a businessman. When was the last time we yeah. had a president that was a businessman? He's a businessman. That's what he I, does. Yeah. Truman. You know, and you. Tr- Truman. Truman. How long ago Truman. was that? You know, that so, was right but, after. That was, Dave, Dave. That was at the end of World War II. I'm just sorry. Right. I just want to say for, for, peop, for young people, 60 and under, who don't study politics, they cannot imagine the angst and the 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 uh, the concern and the alarm that people had when Truman went for his New Deal. 
most people that were economists and businessmen were out of their minds. They thought he was insane at that point. But he well, saved the country. He saved the country. Yeah, that was actually Roosevelt that did the New Deal. That was during the Depression, and that right, was right. a um, f- right. federal um, program to try to um, put people back to work. You had the Civilian Construction Corps. Right. Um, and uh, um, so, yeah, I, that was a and that was the beginning of uh, Social Security Administration and all that. And the right. whole, whole thing right. was to throw federal money around to try to get the, um, the the depression economy back rolling again. But the thing that actually got the uh, country out of the depression was um, selling war materials to the British. Um, <coughs> so and then entering the war. But so, but those that these issues are so far in the past, and the national issues are so um, out of our control that it seems like maybe we should. I know at our lunch and learn we're going to focus on right. how the, how right. these things at a higher level funnel down to what's happening here in the okay. beach cities, and particularly okay. Manhattan Beach. All right, listen, Joe. Then we Joe, you got to do a station. Yeah. we got to do a station break. We got to do a station break. Station break, and then we're going to focus on local issues and the coming lunch and learn in the second half because uh, I've I've calmed down. I've calmed down a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> ladies, and <gentlemen. laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the South Bay Show. We're thrilled to bring this to you every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. and every Friday morning at 8 a.m., a hyper-local podcast focused on the South Bay Thursdays, uh, it's it's South Bay Spotlight. We focus on just something in the political or in the culinary or in the uh, governmental uh, realm in the South Bay that matters to you. And then on Fridays, we're, we're thrilled to be sponsored by the Manhattan Beach Chamber. We focus on all those same issues, but with a special emphasis on Manhattan Beach and on the members of the Manhattan Beach Chamber we're thrilled to bring this uh, this podcast to you every week, and uh, we hope you will enjoy it and share it with your neighbors. And, of course, you can uh, access this podcast various ways, but one of our favorite new ways is just say, Alexa, play the South Bay Show podcast, or Google Home, play the South Bay Show podcast. And when you're in the podcast, uh, you can also say, hey, Google, uh, play previous episode, or Alexa, play next episode. So you, you have lots of control there just with your voice. And now, Jackie, let's talk yes. about what's happening locally and this lunch and learn. Okay. So, all right. So um, I, I, I know this is, well, this is, this is state, a state thing, but it affects us locally. Um, Carol, do you want to take this question? What is going on with Prop 13? Well, it seems like people are trying to get rid of it. Well, there is a um, look. Prop 13 has been great for all property owners in California. Um, Not only just Prop 13 in in terms of limitations on increases over the time that you own the property, um, but um, being able uh, to you know pass on uh, a, a property to your 
you know, kids, grandkids, and, and maintain that low property tax base has just been, it's, it's a gift, right? But the, the state, um, of course, is always looking for a place to uh, draw some uh, additional uh, income. And so at a state level, they're looking at doing what they is called the split role. Um, this is going to, there's uh, petitions out there right now, and there's ballot measures um, that um, will, will, come, will come up. And the, as a bottom line, it means that the, the thrust is to have commercial property owners revert to an assessment, uh, annual assessment by um, the local counties. Um, instead of a fixed increase, it'll be reassessed. So if they feel, you know, right now it's a 2% increase, if, if, if the assessor feels like your property value went up 5%, then they can do that, right? Um, uh. But there, there also is, is um, you know, right now it's, it's the, the residential is, is protected. Um, and then there's also talk about um, um, adding to uh, Prop 13. Right now you can... You can take, um, you know, if you're over 55, you can take your property tax uh, basis. Like if I was going to sell my house and, and move to another home, right now I can I can take my low property tax base because um, I'm over 55 and I can take it to another property. And this was to help seniors, and, you know, they want to move to a new home, but they don't want to pay a, a huge increase based on the purchase price of their subsequent home. But what happens is there's only certain counties that allow reciprocity. Um, so again, we're seeing this just this watershed year for state mandated. So this means that if, if these provisions pass, you could take your low property tax basis and move it to any county in, in California, not just the ones that already have reciprocity agreements. I personally think that's a good thing. But you know something? It's always a it's always a slippery slope. If they start with the commercial, you know, as you said, they're always looking to get into our pockets, you know. Right. And, and, and it can start with the commercial, and you watch five years down the road. They'll say, okay, this is working out really well for the commercial. We're getting a bunch of money from them. Let's do it to the residential, too, because that's how they work. And, you know, and you know what well, scares me? Even, you know what scares me even more? And, and I've seen this in the last several elections it, is – you know, when things get up, a proposition ballot comes up, you know, and, and, and the people have to vote on it. I'm sorry, but it seems to me the vast majority of citizens just are not well informed when it comes to this stuff. It, you know, the last one, that the, the, the gas tax thing, you know, they worded it so that people thought, oh, okay, then we won't get this tax hike, this 12 cent tax hike per gallon. And they were able to word it so that people said, okay, that's good. And we got the gas tax. Just because people and and there was such an there was such a an outpouring of people explaining, you know, I can't even remember now whether it was vote yes or no on it, but even with all all of these people out there trying to explain what was going on, it it passed overwhelmingly. And right. and, I, and I've always I've always yeah. thought that there that there's there's that that special special people out there who have the knack of writing in uh, double negatives so that a yeah. vote of yes really means no. <laughs> it's a yeah. talent. It's a good way to put it's it. Talent. Yeah, good way to put way. it. Good way to put it. So so things like this with Prop 13, you know, they'd probably have to get that on the ballot and have the people vote for it. 
Uh, it makes me nervous. I it's it just I, I know it, I know it sounds bad, but but people, you know, m- most the vast majority of people just really don't pay attention to the intricacies of how the world works when it comes to politics. Right. And, and, and I'm just going to say what, one more thing on the on on the the, the proposition that's out there. So. I think there's a uh, you know general belief that uh, kind of like this perception that um, like commercial property owners are really big companies that own a lot of commercial property, and obviously that's true. But you know in our communities, though, you look you, you go up and down uh, Sepulveda, our business quarters, Manhattan Beach Boulevard. A lot of the commercial property owners um, are you know, mom and pops who, who bought their property, you know, a while ago or are, you know, smaller local investors. And what concerns, and this is the secondary impact that Dave was talking about a while ago, is what's the impact on the tenant? I do a lot of commercial leasing, and a lot of triple net leases have the tenant paying the property taxes. So, what happens when the split roll goes into effect and those property taxes keep going up and up and up, um, right. those, those costs can get passed through to the tenant, which is going to impact um, our business's ability to pay rent. It's going to have an impact on rent. And so these are the things that are, that are the tumble down effects that really don't, don't get discussed as, as much. And that's, and people do need to be more informed yeah, oh no, absolutely. I wanna, absolutely. Yeah, I want to jump in here because that is a massive um, fear running through, particularly the small and mid-sized you know businesses. Um, because I think you know, to Carol's point, um, most uh, landlords do pass along the cost for everything associated mm-hmm. with the property, from the taxes, their insurance, you know, plumbing, any upgrades, repairs, anything along those lines is passed along to the tenant or tenants in that building. And when you combine that with every other um, incremental tax, minimum wage, you know, rules, laws, um, things that Business you know fees. are imposed upon it, every, yeah. everything um even like we talk about all the time the, you know, all the sustainability um and eco-friendly you know changes with restaurants and anybody serving any type of food or good product of course we all love the environment but we want you know we're moving in ways of making the environment better those things cost more so when you add when you keep adding mm-hmm. up all those hits whether they're small or big or you know they add up and no one ever looks other than the business owner, um, at the totality of all of it. So whatever, two years ago they passed this ordinance or this law, then it, it means you know ten more dollars here, and then the minimum wage raises, so it means two more dollars here, and then when you start adding adding all of it up in a cumulative um, perspective, it's staggering. And I can tell you, I've had several business owners who are are already panicking because they go, if yeah. this yeah. passes. It is going to possibly put me out of business. And these are viable businesses that have been around for 10, 20 years who know what they're doing. They have established they're not going out of business because they're not doing well. You know, it is, it's, a, it's a really big fear out there, and there's so much mis, mis, misinformation. You can vote however you want to vote, but just vote informed. And I think we, you guys just touched on this. People aren't informed. And those people who write, you know, um, all these bills and new laws, it is. It's very confusing to, to read through, which is why people need to come 
to the lunch and learn. They need to come to seminars. They need to get informed. They need to listen to the radio. They need to read and get more informed because it's scary. And I think if this passes, it's, we're going to see a really massive effect on particularly our small businesses. And that, well, you that can't has, you know, from my standpoint, that's a problem. Kelly, right. I'll tell you, what, we're already, already seeing it. With the increase in the minimum wage, how many oh, restaurants yeah. just in the South Bay have closed? Just in the South Bay. I, yeah. I, I, I can think of eight, just right off the top of the head, places that I used to go to. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are tons of other restaurants I never get to, so I don't know their story. But I, mm-hmm. I, I get, I'm getting press releases on a weekly basis now, you know, that, yeah. that places are closing. You know, and, and, and that's just the first step of, of the minimum wage increase. It's going to go up to it's, it's going to go up, you know, a couple of dollars every year for the next so many years. But you're right. Yeah. And, and and we're seeing it already. We're, I think particularly in the restaurant business, we're seeing it. We're seeing it faster than anything else. But you are right. And it's scary. Well, the other thing. Yeah, the other thing that people don't realize usually, and I'm always trying to educate the city and, and council and everybody, you know, I'm like, whenever you can give a business a break, then do so, because all these things do pile up into a big bucket of costs. But um, it's, you know, the the amount of um, funding it takes to open a business is also staggering. And so on the flip side, let's say somebody, you know, buys a new building and they have new tenants or whatever. It, it, the minute um, that lease is signed for a new tenant, let's just say, you know, quite often that tenant starts paying rent on that commercial space. And then if it takes them three months, six months, a year sometimes, sometimes a year and a half, to get open if they're doing a lot of construction and all the permitting process along the way, not just, you know, local, but health department permits, ABC, if they have, you know, uh, beer and wine, everything. It is staggering the amount of cost that is imposed upon them and the rent they're already paying before they even open their doors. And so I'm always trying to work with, you know, our local, our city and our government to say, we need to, you know, get these people open as quickly as we can. If we can expedite permitting, if we can be as clear as we can and not let things slip through the cracks, we get them open faster because one month, two months, three months, six months can make a massive difference. And these poor people are opening, you know, um, in the whole a quarter million dollars before they even sell one thing. And then you add on minimum wage, you add on split roll if it happens, you add on things, and it's just it's daunting for a business owner. Mm-hmm. So it, no, uh, well, that actually that, that that was that was the impetus of actually one of the real estate laws. I mean, I, I took a quick count: twenty-five um, real estate laws um, are, uh, started, you know, in operation on January first, and and one of the the bigger ones that was signed was the Housing Crisis Act. There's obviously a demand for more housing um, in the state, and so at a state level, we have um, all these you know new mandates um, that now trickle down to the the, um, the cities, the counties and cities to enforce. And one of them was processing time for permits. Um, you know because uh, there was a, in many places there's such a long delay for the permitting process um, that it was a chill on some development. So. Um, we can talk forever about, you know, the, <laughs> the the issues with mandating real property, which is not only local but hyper local, um, in my mind, uh, at the state level. But but that's one of the reasons, just the the delay in, in permitting processes. Um, and you had you had something, Dave? Well, I was just going to say that hey, that ultimately, 
you know, we all as consumers, no matter how revenue is raised by states, federal government, ticket, we ultimately pay for it. Okay. Yeah. As, uh, the example is, you know, you have a high cost to start up to do a business. You have to recover that by charging higher prices to the consumer. Right. Um, you have an increase in your property taxes if Prop 13 split roll goes through. You either have to increase your prices to the consumer in order to recover that cost, or you have to go out of business and the consumer's lost that opportunity. But no matter how you figure it, no matter how you dice and slice it, ultimately, we, the consumer and the citizens of the United States, California in particular, we end up paying all these costs personally somehow some way okay mm-hmm. so the the you know it, it, you say oh i'm going to raise commercial property taxes okay you can do that but ultimately the consumer pays for all those costs of the additional costs in the in, in, in to that business person right or the business goes out of business and we don't have that service so one way or another we suck it up and pay um, there's this fallacy that oh, there's a you know we can we can have this increase in state revenue or federal revenue by some mechanism that doesn't impact. Okay, it's not true. It always impacts consumer ultimately. Okay, so the split roll thing, stunningly bad idea, right? And stunningly bad idea because it, it it's it, as somebody said, it's the you know it's it, like the camel's nose in the tent. Right. Ultimately, the camel's mm-hmm. in the tent, yep. and and the, you know what I mean. And, and you're sleeping in the rain, right? Um, so these things are 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 great con, of great concern. The state has to raise revenue. There's no question about it. It needs its uh it needs to be able. To, we need the state government to work, and that's a whole different topic here. But but there's no question that state and federal government need to raise revenue. The question is, what's the most effective way to do so? Without with a minimum amount of damage, but there's always damage. So these 25 laws that Carol was talking about that went into effect on January 1st, I mean, they are unbelievably complex. They've created a whole new, it's truly a watershed year, 2020, in terms of state uh, mandated interference in what has always been, and in the other 49 states still is, locally controlled um, issues like zoning and density and so on and so on. It's it's we've we've turned a tremendous corner in the application of these new state mandated regulations that we have never seen before. And the unknown consequences of all this are what we're, one of the things we're going to talk about at the Lunch and Learn. OK, but I'll give you one example. You know, you can do an ADU on your property now. In fact, you can do three in a single family zone. Right. You do an ADU and so-called junior ADU. But the state also said that you can't reduce the density of units on a property independently of the local zoning, right? So here's a conundrum for you. You decide to take your single family and build an ADU for income. But you're seeing, at some point, you really should, that lot should support a new, um, you know, nice new single family home. And that would be the highest and best use. But suddenly, you've got two units on your land. The new other state law says you can't reduce the number of units, which means once you build an ADU, you can't tear the whole thing down and build a new construction single-family home. How many people are aware of that? Yeah. Not many. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. I mean, why? Because it just changed January 1st. I mean, we haven't really had a chance in two weeks to absorb the consequences. I was talking about secondary and tertiary consequences previously. So, yeah, I go off, I build it, I convert my garage to an ADU, which, by the way, I was kind of thinking about that at one point. But my site really should be a new construction. As soon as I could get an ADU, does that mean I can't build a new construction home anymore? That's what the state law says now. It, it also, so I, wow. you know, there's also the new the new law about the Tenant Protection Act, where because people, you know, couldn't couldn't afford rent. So in theory, a good thing exempt from the Tenant Protection Act right now are single families um, and condominiums, and unless there there's some exceptions, unless they're owned by you know a business. So one of those terrible convert, large businesses, you, you know. Yeah, one of those terrible large businesses. So you you end up uh, putting an ADU. On your property, have you converted your property now to a multi-unit property, a duplex or a triplex? So, so now your property wasn't under rent control, and now it is. I, these 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 issues that they're they're going to come up, and and what we're trying to to share with our clientele and 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 our our colleagues is really, you know, we need to make moves in our lives. Right. Literally, you know, figuratively, you know, you're a millennial, you're buying in, you're uh, a boomer and you're thinking about, you know, are you going to stay? Are you going to exit? Are you going to um, build an ADU so you can have a caregiver on your property and just stay in your in your home? Um, do you what to do with mom and dad? I mean, that the many boomers are now um, handling um, aging parents and, and their needs. And so when you when you look at all these real estate moves, um, uh, you know this is just this has gone from uh, a nice game of, of checkers and figuring out what moves you want to put on the board. To, it's kind of like I, I conceptualize it like three dimensional chess. Like you really have to think through your moves. What's your ultimate? I think Dave said this a while ago. Who are you? What's your ultimate goal? What's your plan? And then let's back up and work through the. The, the laws with respect to real property, how you want to live, how you want to develop your property, where you want to move, what's that look like to you, and then move forward on a, on a more informed basis. Um, kind of a, a sad thing. We, we know of a, a, a couple that, that was all excited about the ADU situation. So their idea, and they did it, was to, to build a, an ADU, convert their garage, eliminate the parking, which is allowed. And so, um, and then the deal was they were going to do the ADU so, you know, grandma and grandpa could come visit. Um, but there's been a job change. And what their, um, they were going to do the ADU, which they completed, and then remodel, substantially remodel their smaller home, which is on the property. So now they're in a move position. They have a brand new ADU in the back. They have no parking on the premises. They have, um, and they have a little teeny house that is not remodeled. What what do they have? What mm. what they what they have the is a building thing? site. Yeah, they have a building site, but it can't be built because now they've created two units, and you can't reduce the number of units on the site. They are really and who's the really buyer stuck. for that? And and yeah. so their the buying pool for that property has just really uh, gotten narrow for them because somebody else needs to buy a project. You know, or it, it, because the builder pool is gone. I mean, it's. It's these kind of decision trees that we are really trying to, you know, make sure people are aware of, of what's going on, what's up on deck um, in Sacramento, um, and 
because um, there's even more coming. There's and um, make informed decisions. They're, these are not just where I want to live. These are financial uh, long-term decisions. So. All right. Listen, you know something? There is a lot to learn here. That's why it's called Lunch and Learn. Um, Kelly, when is the what, what day is the Lunch and Learn date and time? Or, or date. Lunch. Go ahead, Kelly. Um, did we lose Kelly? I'm sorry. I can't hear Kelly. I oh, know. Okay. I, yeah. Can you hear me now? I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Lunch and Learn is February 12th from 12 to 1.30 at the Bellamar Hotel. You can go on to our website, um, happiestchamber.com, and register there. Um, and we encourage everybody to come out. We, you know, the capa- This should be a, a packed room, Carol and Dave. I mean, the information here is just a matter of getting people to understand that there's a massive change going on, and you guys have the answers. So Wednesday, February 12th, 12 to 1.30 at the Bellamar you can register on our site for members. It's fifteen dollars for non-members. It's twenty-five dollars. All right, we got to wrap this up. It's been a fascinating conversation, um, and they're going to continue this at the lunch and learn. So, Dave, you want? Uh, excuse me, Joe, you want to take us home here? <clears throat> did we? Did we lose Joe too? I I I, I don't. I don't <laughs> uh, all right. No, I I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, guess, I was. Uh, I was okay, on. you're here. I was on, okay. on mute, but I, I, I can scarcely believe the scope of topics that we've discussed today. The scope is enormous. Um, macro and micro, they're going to focus on micro at the Lunch and Learn February 12th at the Bellamar Hotel. It's, uh, did you say 12 to 1.30, Kel? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. 12, 12 lunch, to 1.30, February mm-hmm. And, of course, lunch is served 12 to 1.30, February 12th, um, 25 bucks for non-members, uh, members 15 bucks. Yeah. 15 bucks for members. Yeah. This is going to be amazing, and I think you guys should do this in a larger uh, venue. I think, uh, Dave and Carol, you should really do this in a larger venue, and uh, uh, Kelly – Stroman, president and CEO of the Manhattan Beach Chamber, I could hear in your voice a new, your old hat as um, <laughs> executive director of the Downtown Business Association because mm-hmm. of the love you have for those businesses that are struggling so much and will be struggling in the future if some of these uh, things come to pass. Um, we really should be talking about this more and more and more. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we will be talking about this uh, February 12th. Dave and Carol will be there. Dave Salzman, Carol Glover, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. It's been our pleasure. Thank, thank you. Thank you. It's, this is amazingly valuable. Thank you so much. And, uh, Jackie and Kelly, we, we really need to do this again in a larger venue. <laughs> we'll get there. We'd love to. We, we we we, <laughs> we, we really should. I mean, oh my God, this will be extremely popular. We could charge for tickets and all that because this is amazing. Uh, <laughs> thank you, everybody. <laughs> thank you, everybody, for joining us all today. Right, thank you. Uh, thank you. We, we do have limits. Bye bye. You all. Bye bye. <laughs> bye. Bye.